All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I've started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. I believe there's great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice their human skills, and ultimately we'll all become better at selling by being human. Okay, so on the podcast today, we have, you know, someone that is really a kind of our first like longtime athlete on the show. You know, this guy comes from a hockey family. He's a self-described rink rat, I think he said. Grew up playing, you know, high school hockey, college hockey, was on the 2006 team at Holy Cross that that upset uh, Minnesota and was uh, regarded, many think, as the, uh, one of the greatest upsets in hockey history. We'll, we'll ask him about that. And he's been in tech sales for, you know, uh, a good 10 plus years in uh, many different roles, has held CRO positions. And now he runs a staffing and recruiting firm called uh, The Shift Group. He's a founder that helps former athletes find jobs in tech sales. So please welcome none other than... J.R. Butler to the podcast. Welcome, J.R. Alex, thanks for having me, man. That was a great intro. I love it. All right, <laughs> man. So um, let's talk a little bit about it. So I, I'm always intrigued, you know, kind of people that, uh, you know, f- like the, the moment in time where, where athletes or former athletes realize like that they, you know, have something to contribute to, you know, to being a, a great in sales. So we'll, we'll definitely get into that. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, before you even knew anything about sales or anything, if you look back to when you first started playing hockey, I think you're, you you even said like your your dad coached hockey, and I'm sure you've had tons of coaches throughout your career. Can you point to anything that you learned from like a coach or through the game of hockey that you think serves you, you know, really really well, you know, in you know what you did in your career in sales? Yeah, my. Uh... There's a there's a lesson that I think is it's the probably the most important lesson my father taught us when we were kids and it, we were probably too young to get the message but it, it it's something I think about every single day it's something I thought about every single day as a salesperson but my dad used to say to us when we were little there's a lot of people that play hockey but there's not a lot of hockey players and I think the same thing rings true in every single industry and every single career. And what he meant by that is this idea of like professionalism and like, you know, really buying in to being like the best that you can be in whatever you're doing, living it, breathing it, making it a religion um, and having faith that you can become great at something because because you're doing everything in your control to be great at it. Right. Like. You know, we grew up at a time when, you know, video games were getting bigger and, you know, kids were spending their weekends doing other things other than hockey. And we were in the driveway shooting pucks. We were stick handling. We were, you know, working out four or five days a week because we wanted to be hockey players. We didn't want to just play hockey. And I think I took that into my professional career in a big, big way, especially nowadays. There's a lot of people that sell software, but... There's not that many software sales people, right? And I think there is a difference there. And that was a lesson that my dad taught us at a very, very 
like shockingly young age. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really, I mean, you probably at the time you didn't fully realize the importance of that, but yeah, you know, you're just like, yeah, it's cool. Like if I'm going to be good, I got to, you know, put the time in. So I'm going to put the time in, but you know, there's like what you do in putting the time in and, and, and how you're intentional about every way you live your life is a totally different animal than just putting in work, you know? So, um, I'm, you know, when you think of like, you know, kind of, I, I always like to get people's perspective on this, right? Because I think like, you know, so many athletes um, are, are you know, in, in college sports right now, maybe in even professional sports right now, and they're doing all of the skills required to be good at sales. Maybe they have to gain influence from, from uh, you know, their teammates. Maybe they're trying to... Um, you know, kind of like they're, they're curious, they're learning about like individual things about their sport and like all the different things that kind of go into being good at a, at a, at a skill, right? Like they're really diligent about that stuff. So, but I think I'm really curious too, about just kind of like the, the personal skills and, you know, how you connect with people and, and you probably, you know, connect with your teammates and things like that. So, when I say this term about sales and, and the name of the podcast is what it is, when I say the term to you, you know, selling by being human, because you said that, you know, there's a lot of salespeople, but not a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people that sell software, but not a lot of software salespeople. So when I say the term sell something by being human, what does that mean to you and what comes to mind for you? I think it, I think it means, you know, caring right there's a there's a you know my dad my dad calls it a, a give a shit muscle um and, and you know that's a that's a boston kind of boston way to say like really like caring and and that i know that's a broad and generic term but when you actually take a step back and think about it caring as a salesperson means you care enough to really understand what your technology does that you that's unique or whatever you not even technology whatever your product does that you is unique why that why what your product does matters to specific types of people or specific types of companies and like really understanding in your bones all about that part of the the sales right the sales side right like your side of the table and then it also means really really caring about the people that you're talking to, the type of company that they work for, and what that means for the problem that you solve, the persona or the person in that organization, what they think about and care about, what their problems and priorities are, and how your solution affects them, the, the outcomes that the organization as a whole individually is trying to drive, and the problems that the organization is trying to solve. So for me, in terms of being human, Humans should care about other people, right? But I also think as a salesperson, really caring about your side of the table as well as your customer side of the table, to me, that's what like selling human. The first thing when I heard the name of your podcast, that's the first thing that popped in my head was like, you got to really like to be a great salesperson, to be a professional salesperson, you really have to care. You really have to give a shit. Um, and, and, and that... Sometimes that's the difference between a mediocre average salesperson and like some of the most excellent salespeople that I'm sure you've ever worked with and that I've ever worked with were people that you, you could tell these people really, really care. Yeah. You know what I mean? It almost kind of like it's it's interesting you say that because, yeah, like 
how you care definitely matters. You know, it's not like okay, uh, of course I want my my like I want to like tell uh, my customer what they want to hear. I want to solve this you know this immediate pain or whatever. But truly digging into how you care, just like how you were as a hockey player, how you wanted to be a true hockey player. That was that went beyond just kind of. Um, okay, these are the things you, you you are told to do by your coach, or these are the things you have to do. Like you start, you know, you I imagine as a high, you tell me, but like I imagine you started making up drills yourself with your you and your dad, or making up things you could do because it was that important. Because you realized like that it mattered. Like by doing those things, the outcome was going to be there. And so like maybe talk to me a little bit about like you know, caring about it when you were a kid, like, you know, some of what, what did that look like when you were a kid and kind of, you know, growing up and, you know, putting the work in for hockey? Yeah. And, and I think it translates directly into sales, into any profession. In fact, like I really, I, I cared so much about being a great hockey player that I, I studied and understood like the skills that the people I admired had, right? Like the defense, I was a defenseman. So I watched like every clip of Ray Bork in the world that I could, because he's the was the best defenseman at when I was young to play the game. Right? What are the skills that he has, and then what are the behaviors that he has, and what's the process that Ray Bork follows? And I'm gonna mirror that, and I'm gonna have a passion to match those skills, behaviors, and processes. Right? And then. Once I understand, because I care so much about what those skills, behaviors, and processes are, then I'm going to practice those with intention until they're like in my bones, muscle memory, and I do those naturally and intuitively every single day. And I'm going to use that practice to pursue goals, right? So it's understanding these skills, these behaviors, habits, and processes, and caring enough to really, really understand what, what that list looks like. And then taking the time and effort to practice those things with intention. And it's like perfect practice makes perfect. So I'm not just going through the motions. I'm like getting feedback from my peers, getting feedback from my managers and my coaches. And then I'm using that practice specifically to achieve something, right? Make a team, you know, hit a certain amount of goals in a season, get a scholarship, or in the case of sales, you know, hit a weekly, quarterly, you know, yearly quota um, and help as many customers as I can in the process, right? So I think with hockey, it was it was really about that. And then if you mirror that in any industry, I don't care if you're a third grade teacher, if you look at all the best third grade teachers in the world and you start to understand their skills, behaviors, and processes, and then you practice those with intention and you pursue goals with that practice, you're going to be an elite third grade teacher. So I think it directly is parallel to any profession in reality. Yeah. I really like that, that framework. Yeah. Skills, behaviors, and processes. Cause we, um, yeah, that's like a simple way to look at it, you know, because they're all different. There's, there's skills you need, you know, in hockey, you know, right. Those are the, like the puck handling, the stick handling, the skating, the, the shooting, all of those. And in sales, it's the, you know, it's the overcoming objections. It's the, you know, cold calling. It's the, you know, elevator pitching, it's the, you know, all of that stuff. But behaviors is different. Behaviors is like, kind of like, hey, like, how are you going to act? What are you going to do? Like, you know, how are you going to be? How are you going to, like, when, when, like, someone says something to you that catches you off guard, how are you going to, like, 
how are you going to respond? Right. Like, and you have to think about like what, what that is. And the, the process is, is more of like the step-by-step like, let's do this. Like, let's be consistent about doing what I do each day. Right. You had a schedule every day as, as a hockey player and what you did and you just kind of replicated, I imagine day in, day out. So like you said, it was just after a while, it was just, you know, effortless. It was just like, you didn't think about it. It is just what you did. Right. So, so when you first started getting into it, a lot of athletes, so right now, like we'll get into kind of what you do. You, you transitioned out of the game of, of hockey and you kind of like, were really interested in uh, about this competitive world of tech sales and really just took to it, took off with it. What were some of those like skills, behaviors, and processes maybe like in your first sales uh, gig that, you know, really excited you because you could put those, you know, the framework you used in hockey towards it? What were some of the things that, you know, really kind of lit you up uh, in that first role, if you can talk about it? Well, I, I think like the first, the first most obvious, and I don't know if it's a, if it's a skill or more of a, a character trait, but like the resiliency, like, you know, I, like you said, I grew up with a hockey coach as a dad. So like I was used to, and, and my little brother, Alex played in the NHL. He played in the Olympics. He was much better at hockey than me. So I spent my entire life losing. Like To a little brother. And that that's, that's tough. You know, you're like, how <laughs> I should be beating you. I'm older than you. Yes. Yeah. Like my friends used to bust my chops. Like, oh, dude, you know, your brother's better than you. And I'm like, dude, you're a year older than me. And my brother's better than you. Like, relax. So like that muscle of like, losing a lot and then like coming back the next day with like the same vigor and conviction and excitement of like getting better that immediately i i, I sensed that in sales my first cold call the guy called me a telemarketer and hung up on me right like and i was like it, it was like water off the back like i didn't even i didn't even flinch and i'm like wait like because everybody warned me like cold calling sucks this is going to be brutal blah, blah blah i'm like this isn't this is nothing who cares Right. Like I'll just call the next guy on the list. So I think like that resiliency, number one, I was like, oh, I can do this. This is easy. Like, I, you know, I've been losing way more than I've been winning since I was literally five years old. I'm going to be fine doing sales. That was the first thing that jumped off the page for me. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I imagine you've, you've gone through way worse uh, situations, uh, you know, in, in just the work you put into like professional, you know, being a college hockey player and, and, and that sort of thing. When you think about like people in your, you know, it could be hockey career or maybe business career, you know, the people that got like that really inspired, you know, your teammates, inspired maybe your teammates at work, the people that just, you know, you, you couldn't stop not listening to, right? So I'm sure you've had coaches where like this, you know, guy or girl, this it's just going one ear out the other. It's not it's not landing, right? Or even managers, same thing. Can you think about the the best people in your you know hockey career or business career where people just love to listen to them and who were they and what did they do? Yeah, there, there's a guy uh, when I when I I started my career obviously as an individual contributor and I was like in the reseller space so I was like reselling you know EMC and these Cisco and these big companies and then I went to an early stage startup in Boston called VM Turbo at the time and the guy who recruited me there. Was this guy Jimmy Mack, and he had this big he had this big sign behind his desk that said "Merchants of Change" or "Merchant of Change." That was like his nickname, and he really he's the one who really like got me over the hump 
to really understand like how much what a salesperson does matters every single day. Like when you sell a software to a company and it saves that company millions of dollars, there's like people that are getting jobs, right? There's people that are getting promotions and raises. Um, that company is reinvesting that money into some strategic initiative that's helping the company grow. And again, people are getting hired, people are getting promoted. So like him, like really hammering home with us, this idea that like what you do matters one and the way you approach what you do matters, because at the end of the day, yes, you're, you're trying to get a purchase order. You're trying to get people to sign on the line that is dotted, but the way you go about doing that is showing them how you're going to change their day-to-day -day life, how you're going to change how the company operates. Like that idea of like being a merchant of change and like helping somebody truly change the way that they view the world was like life-changing to me. Like I, you know, and now that's why I do what I do now is because like that resonated with me to, to the a point where I'm like this, like I'm so proud to tell people I'm a salesperson. Right. You know, and I think a lot of kids get out. Nobody in college is like, yeah, I can't wait to be a salesperson. There's no eight year olds out there going, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a salesperson. Right. But I think it's unfortunate because being a salesperson is a really meaningful career and a really meaningful profession. And he's a guy that he's done it for thousands of people and he did it for me and, and our organization. And now, you know, there's literally dozens of, of guys and girls that worked in that company that are now VPs of sales and CROs. And it's strictly because of Jimmy Mack's inspiration. I really believe that. Wow. I, I love that. Like you had that mindset, like he could, you know, he, he wasn't just trying to hit numbers, right? Like he was like, I'm sure like, yes, in sales, it's, you have a goal and it's, you know, sometimes just like it's, it's revenue driven, but like how you get to that revenue, you know, he was like, looking at something a lot bigger and giving you the mindset, you should be confident, you should be proud because like, it's not just about the contract, it's about the outcome that you're delivering. It's about the long-term impact that you're making to a person, to an organization that you'll probably never see that you're like, wow, I'm, I'm a part of that. You know, sometimes nothing happens in business until something is, is sold, you know? And so you, you're, you being an, you know, catalyst for, for that change is, a huge responsibility for like a young you know person to have and and that's a big responsibility so yeah i mean when you tell people like what would you say what makes you proud about you know you said the term like i'm proud to be in sales like you know tell me more about that like you know somebody that's like thinks like that selling is a you know an icky word or like a grimy word or their only you know their only experience is the used car guy what or what what makes you proud about it i think like you know i i my career has been really focused on selling unbudgeted, unbudgeted software, right? Like the first technology I ever sold was virtualization. And I, and I came out of college at a time when everybody was running one application on one server. And you think about that now and it's like the cloud and everybody's like, that must've been easy to sell, but it wasn't easy to sell. Like we had to go into organizations and we had to really partner with people that have been doing their job, you know, at, at I'm at 25 years old, sitting across the table from someone in their 50s who's done something for 30 years a certain way, and I have to, you know, I don't want to use the word convince because that's that sounds like a easy sales word, but that's what you're doing is you're educating them on like what life could be like 
in a whole in, in a whole new process and a whole new approach. And like to me, doing that is the hardest thing, right? Like think about ourselves. Like when I make a big change, that's really hard for me to change myself. As a salesperson, you have to change other people's minds. Like that is such a hard skill to get good at and to sharpen. And like for me to be able to do it for, you know, 15 years, 55 quarters consistently and successfully is I'm very, very, very proud of that. And any salesperson should be very proud of, of telling people I'm a salesperson because you're changing hearts and minds, which is the hardest thing in the world to do, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's talk about what you do today and how you train, you know, the, you know, people in uh, your company to, to do that, to change hearts and minds. Tell like for people that don't know the, the ship group, what your mission is and what you're all about and why the company exists. So as a, as an athlete who's been through the transition, right? When you focus on a sport enough that you play it at the college level, it means it's your whole life. And, and a lot of times it's your whole identity, you know, only 2.4% of the college population makes the sacrifice it takes to play a sport, to, to go to the gym, to go to practice, to get on the bus on the weekend and travel. And they don't have a, a lower academic workload than their, than their student peers, right? So you've made this huge sacrifice. When someone asks you who you are, you usually lead with, I'm a basketball player, or I'm a football player, or I'm a hockey player. So the transition out of that is really, really hard. And um, for me, it was a huge struggle. I struggled with drugs and alcohol and, you know, I really battled through that identity crisis. It's a dark night of the soul situation. So the number one thing we do with athletes is we, we tell them, don't lose your identity. Once an athlete, always an athlete. All the stuff that made you an elite athlete, if you can apply that to this new career, then you can also be an elite sales professional. So that's the number one thing we do. We spend probably five hours working with them in our training, explaining the parallels between those characteristics that made them an athlete that will make them a, an elite salesperson. And then we get into the, to the tactical stuff. We teach them six critical skills for B2B technology sales. And then we do like obviously resume, LinkedIn and interview prep. But I think that first portion of like helping them kind of get over that identity crisis, number one, Number two is like the six key skills that are really important foundationally. And then obviously the part that helps them get a job, which is how to build a resume, how to structure a LinkedIn and how to go into an interview and crush it. So it's simple. It's, it sounds easy, but that, that, that's kind of what we do. And we do it, you know, over and over again with hundreds of athletes across the United States. That's awesome. I, you know, what are some of the things like somebody like, new to it what are what are some of the skills because you you know i've heard you say that like the five skills and you know i'll repeat i mean you can tell me what you know people struggle the most with but like resiliency competitiveness i think you said coachability work ethic and growth mindset were, were some of them what are some that you feel like people you know maybe you know struggle with transferring over to um the sales realm from you know from being an athlete yeah, so so I, I really consider those are like more more traits than skills, I think. But and, and the six skills we teach them are more like literally like sales skills, which I could talk about. But on those traits, I think the hardest the hardest one to transition on is is honestly the growth mindset. 
the last piece because you naturally have a growth mindset as an athlete because your goal is to get better. You know that's your goal. Like you wake up every day and you're like, how can I get better at hockey today? Right. You don't realize that that taking that in like, you know, we, we all kind of think like people become bankers and, they, and they're just like bankers and they're just like bankers forever. And they just like, you know, they don't realize like the best bankers in the world are like studying the industry every single day. They're listening to podcasts. They're reading books like that's the and, and it's hard because you love hockey. You love football. You love basketball. I promise you there's very few people that come out of college and love cybersecurity the way that they love the game that they played their whole life. So you've got to kind of get over that hump of like, all right, you've got to apply this growth mindset to something you're not initially going to love. You're not going to be passionate about it. But once you start getting good at something, then you get passionate about it, right? So it's it, that growth mindset is the hardest trait to make sure they transition over and realize that like they're going to be a lifelong learner if they're going to be elite, they're going to have to be, right? So that's the hardest trait to transition, I think, from sports. The other stuff, the coachability, the resiliency, the competitiveness, I think that comes with them pretty naturally. The growth mindset's hardest, for sure. Well, you know, so you talked about skills you teach people. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure people listening to this are like, yeah, you know, so how are you training athletes to, you know, change, you know, kind of hearts and minds? They're They're never like... They may have, you know, had to kind of, you know, coach up a, a fellow teammate at one point in time or, you know, kind of, you know, work with with people, teammates that didn't really, you know, have the same personality as them or act like them. So, you know, tell me, you know, kind of what are what are some of the like simple things that, you know, are some of the first things you you, you teach, you know, athletes about sales that can help, you know, shift or change people's minds? What are some, you know, just kind of first things that come to mind? Yeah. Like, so when I, when I designed the curriculum, I thought about like, what would I want an entry-level salesperson to understand when I hired them? And the first thing is I want them to understand how to look at a company and be able to, to make the, make the parallel between what that company is, what they're dealing with, what their priorities and problems are and what our solution is. So the first thing we teach is how to research a company. Then we, and we, we try to build off everything. So then it's how to research a company, how to use that research to write a cold email or a cold message on LinkedIn, how to use that research to make a cold call, how to use that research to do discovery and qualification. And then the other two things are more tactical. We teach sales tools because the reality is this wasn't the case when I got out, right? Salesforce was just starting when I, when I got out of school. So we teach, but we teach those sales tools. We teach the tech, the LinkedIn sales nav, the Zoom infos, the salesforce.coms of the world, because it's important, right? Now, nowadays that stuff matters. And then the last piece is we call it operational excellence. So we talk about the idea that like you can structure your day, your week, your month, and your quarter in a way that you can do it consistently. And by following a plan, you can have success consistently over time that's forecastable. So those are the six skills. It's it's about account research, cold emails, cold calls, discovery, sales tools, and operational excellence. Good. I love yeah, great framework. Can you give people a you know kind of a little taste of what you think like, yeah, I mean you've made a bunch of cold calls yourself in your career and stuff like that, I'm sure as a rep and what you train. 
what's some of the openers or how people could like you know use like a you know that that kind of research you know like that's like the hardest thing like calling people and just kind of getting people to you know kind of just you know you're interrupting their day trying to change you know kind of what they're thinking about you know what what are like some things that you kind of train on when you're when you're talking about cold calls the, the big thing that we train on is authenticity right like you got to be a human you got to be yourself you got to open up as a human right like it, it, it cold calling sucks on both sides of it the, the customer doesn't want it and you don't want to do it it's part of the job so number one is like just being authentic being yourself i think like you know where where i've always had the most success and i still cold call to this day as a ceo is just saying like listen hey i i know i'm catching you at a bad time the reason i'm reaching out is because i read this right and and just showing them like hey i i i believe i've earned the right to to call you i've done my research there's a there's a reason i'm calling and it's because of x do you have two minutes for me right so just straight up like leading with that leading with that insight being authentic being human and listen people are going to hang up on you people you you know, people are in bad moods. I get cold calls all the time. I hang up on people, especially if I can tell they have no idea what I do. But I, if somebody leads with an insight and it shows that they know who I am and what I'm do, what I do and what I care about, then I'm much more likely to stay on the phone. So that's kind of what we teach our, our athletes to do. Cool. You know, can you think of some, uh, you know, like a- athletes that have come into your program that maybe they just, they doubted their abilities. They, they said, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be as great as I was in, as an athlete, like, as you talked about being, having identities, right? It's like, now I'm starting at zero. Whereas like, as an athlete, I, I had, you know, I was better than 90% of people that ever picked up a hockey stick, you know, like, I mean, I'm played college hockey. So like, there's only a few people that could say that, you know, or, you know, I was an, a professional NFL player, an NBA player. Um, so I was like in the top 1% of all the people in my place. And now I'm starting at the bottom at zero. So can you think of like, you know, those people that may have come in, you don't have to name names, but people like that came in, had those doubts and like came out and, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of like went the total opposite direction of where they thought they were going to be in terms of learning the, the, uh, you know, the learning sales. Yeah, we we are fortunate that we have worked with, you know, NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball people that made, you know, hundreds of thousands, in some cases, literally millions of dollars. And there is like a hesitancy, like, oh, I'm going to go take a step back at 33 years old and I'm going to cold call with a bunch of 22-year-olds in a bullpen. Like, this is crazy. But... The, the way that we, the you know, and, and I have like three folks in, in the back of my head that I'm thinking of that came to me after, you know, our initial intro course and said like, hey, I don't want to, I don't think I should be a BDR. And I think we have an advantage because they're athletes where we're like, hey, what happened? How are you as a, you know, how are you as a high school football player? Well, I was, I was one of the best in the country. That's why I went to a power five school. And I said, okay, what happened when you were a freshman at, you know, this power five school. And it's like, oh, you're a rookie again, right? You carried the water bottles to practice, right? You cleaned out the seniors lockers. Like, you know, you had to, you had to carry the water bottles again and re-earn, re-earn it at the college level. And then you did the same thing when you went from college to professional, right? Like nobody cares that you won, 
you know, an NCAA championship and now you're a rookie on, you know, on the Celtics. Like you've got to, you've got to carry the water bottles again. Right. So usually when I explain it to them with that analogy, like, Hey, listen, I, I get it. You've made a lot of money. You know, you, you, you went to the top of your profession. This is a new profession. Think of it as going from high school to college. You're a rookie again. You're a freshman. Like you've got to carry the water bottles again. And guess what? You're going to be a senior. You're going to be, you're going to be a vet, but you've got to earn it. It isn't given to you. And that's one of the beauties of sales is it is a meritocracy. And it's one of the reasons I think athletes flourish in it is because you are, your success is directly proportional to the effort and outcomes that you're able to drive. So usually we can get them over the hump. And if we, if we can't, then this isn't the great, the best profession for them anyway. Yeah. I like that question. Cause it's like making them like kind of go back in time and go, okay, yeah, right. I did put in the work. I wasn't, I did, I, I was the top in high school and then I, you know, got brought back down again. And I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, why would somebody have making a million dollars a year, like a former NFL, like you're, you're saying you've worked with like professional athletes, right. And they're getting into, you know, become entry-level salespeople. Like why would someone want to do that? But then, you know, just what you said, it is like you said, like a meritocracy. Like if you put in effort, like you could be a CRO one day, like, you know, your case in point, like you, you know, were a BDR and kind of rose up the ranks and, and just put effort into the craft. And then, you know, um, yeah, maybe you can even get equity in a company. I think people, is that like, you know, people, the former athletes, are they attracted by that or kind of what, what do they tell you that attracts them about this position other than, you know, yeah, money, but. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the upside of like when you're part of a winning team, like the outcome for everybody is, is solid, especially in technology sales because of equity, right? It's, it's this rare, this rare opportunity where you get ownership in the company you're selling for. That's a huge upside for them. And I, and I also think the idea that, you know, one thing about, like everybody, everybody that you could ever talk to when they, when they transition out of college, one of their goals is I want to make a lot of money. But a lot of times nowadays it's like, but I also want to have work-life balance and I also want autonomy. And it's like, well, if you're, if you want to make three to $500,000 a year consistently, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could be an investment banker, but what's the amount of time that you're going to have to put into to get to that level, right? What's the trade-off between time and compensation? And I think sales and entrepreneurship is the only world where you don't directly trade your time for money. And that's kind of how we position sales is like, listen, I, you want to make a million dollars a year like you did as an athlete? You can, you can go back to law school, work 80 hours a week, earn your way to partner, and you're already 33, so let's call it you know, 48 years old you can get back to that million dollars a year, or you can work your ass off for three years, become an enterprise rep and consistently make three to $500,000 a year pretty easily when you hit quota, right? So that is what draws them to this career specifically, I think, especially those high earning, those high earning guys. There's, there's very, very few athletes that make enough money where they don't have to continue to earn for the rest of their life in some other way, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about like, what are things like once they get into it, you know, that are things that 
like they they don't expect like that are like things that i don't know maybe they get into it and it's just like man i didn't sign up for this or this is just not you know what i thought it was going to be is there anything like what are some of the main things you think that you know athletes find out about it that they didn't know about it going into it yeah i think uh, you know it, it it depends on the situation but like you know nowadays you see certain managers that don't want to give the type of like hard feedback that you know i don't want to i don't want to sound like the old man yelling at clouds but there is like a, a certain softness to the generations that are coming into the industry now where it's like you can't you can't really be like blunt on your feedback like hey that call sucked you need to go back to the drawing board and work on x y and z and and our candidates want that right like they want to be told like hey you suck like you need to work on this this and that so like we try to we try to work with our hiring partners and explain like hey it's okay it's okay to be rough with Joey or 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 Lisa like you should be very blunt with them they're used to it they grew up with it right that's, that's we hear that a lot from our from our alumni like man i just wish my manager was was blunt with me about my, about feedback and what i needed to work on so i think that's something that you know and i, I it's all cyclical like i'm sure it'll come back but that's definitely something we hear a lot is like they want to be yelled at i know that sounds crazy but it's true yeah well yeah like i'm sure that yeah coaches had no problem uh telling them exactly what the heck uh, to do on the on the court or the rink or anything or the field well cool like if you can kind of think about like just i mean some of those traits like are things that you teach i'm i'm curious like you know w like just what do you think like you know just kind of like are the like the skills that i mentioned right like being curious being you know just uh thoughtful gaining trust you know those things what are what are some of the, like the key just i you know i don't know some people say soft skills i say human skills what do you think the important ones for these 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 folks to to really hone in on and and you know the things that maybe most sales courses don't you know they aren't tactics they aren't things that you can you know necessarily put your finger on but you know just traits that you know these these athletes these these sellers what what should they really be thinking about you know as they kind of grow in their careers yeah i think there's two that come to mind right away i think coachability which i think we we beat up enough um, but you just said one that I think is super important, which is like true, true intellectual curiosity, like truly like, you know, not memorizing, like not memorizing what your technology does, but like seeking to really understand like what it does, how it works, why it's unique. Like, you know, like it's one thing to, to memorize like the tagline off of LinkedIn about a company, but it's a whole nother thing when like three of those words in that sentence, you don't know what the hell they mean. And you're like, you're, you've got like 15 tabs open on, on your, your Google Chrome, trying to figure out every single word and like going down another level to like really understand it. Like, I believe that true, like intellectual curiosity is so critical and like, you should be, you should want to understand something to the point where you can explain it simply. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but to me, that's true curiosity. Like if I could explain it to, to a seven-year-old. That means I get it. So that's the type of curiosity we try to preach with, with our athletes is don't just memorize this, like, like study it until it's, you can explain it in very simple human terms.
to a seven-year-old and that's true understanding yeah I, I can't agree more because, you know, it's part of our jobs is trying to remove like friction, remove the clutter in people's heads, like trying to m help them make sense of situations and, you know, um, and just add add clarity as much as possible. But being curious enough to to not, you know, every every situation is different. So you can only know so much on the Internet of research, right? Research can only take you so far. The converse, how the conversation goes is you know sometimes can can take you way farther than any any research can and it's you know knowing the questions to ask and you know and and you know trying to to bring back other things that they said to to really get people to kind of um you know go deeper with you you know i i guess as we kind of um you know kind of get towards the end you know thinking about like your own career where like were there some of like what were some of the most like satisfying or you know i don't know fulfilling moments that you had uh i'm sure you could, let's take both like as a hockey player i know you, what you'll probably say but maybe um take it as a hockey player and also as your career in sales what are what are some of the most fulfilling moments that you've had well i i, I think for me obviously the you mentioned the game against minnesota that was such a special moment in my career because it was with my best friends and you know, we, we went through a lot together and to beat a team with, you know, they had like 12 future NHL players and we had zero. That was so special. But I just think like being able to play at the college level for me was, you know, the first time I stepped on the ice in the Holy Cross uniform. I grew up in in the Worcester, Massachusetts area. So like going to play at, at my hometown Division One school was such a dream come true and such an honor. So for my hockey career, just getting to that point, because I wasn't naturally gifted at hockey the way my brother was. So I know that the second I stepped on that ice was 100% because of my work ethic and my perseverance. That's a really proud moment for me. In sales, I would say the day that I got a, I got the phone call that the company I worked at for seven years, that I joined really early, that we got acquired for $2 billion was such a proud moment for me because one, like when I went to the company, I took a hum humongous pay cut uh, to get into leadership and I de-risked it by, by negotiating a, a good equity package. So that was one reason it was a really good day is, you know, the, the finances side of it paid off. But I think more than anything was I, I truly believed in the product, the problem that we solved, the way we solved it uniquely. And I just thought about seven years of like so many customers telling us no and so many partners telling us it was a nice to have. And then, you know, you've got this like iconic technology company in IBM who spends $6 billion a year on research and development. They have 300,000 people globally. They spend more money on R&D than the United States spends on cancer research. And they couldn't build what we built with, you know, $150 million in capital raised and 500 people in this in this office in Boston, Massachusetts, that was a really proud moment for me because I knew that we built something really special and it was all about, you know, go to market execution. And, and I was a big part of that. That was, that was a, that was a life-changing moment for me. That phone call. I cried. <laughs> I cried like a baby. Man. It was wild. That's awesome. Wow. That's awesome. I bet, you know, like that, that's kind of what I'm sure athletes are trying to get back to, right? They can all think of those moments, the first time they put on a jersey, first time they sat on the ice. Like, you, you want that that high again, you know? And it's and it's out there. It's so available when you put in the work and, 
you know, you, you, you know, you, you can kind of just think about all of the, the, just the blood, sweat and tears. Like you said, the customers, the, the people that told you no, people that told you yes, like all the things it's like, you know, your fingerprints are all over that. So, um, and you can, you can, yeah, you can uh, make an impact and, um, in some, some huge ways. So that's, that's awesome to hear. Well, I'm kind of, kind of, kind of getting down to, um, the wire here. When I, when I close off, I, I think we talked a lot about just being who you are. And I've, I've heard you say like, really, you know, one of the most important skills is self-awareness. So that this is maybe a, a just a fun quote about knowing yourself. And I think like we all have these superpowers about us, but we don't bring them to the forefront enough in sales. And so I, I, I like to ask people, you know, so JR, if I asked your um, your family, you know, people closest to you, your friends, something that is just so totally JR, it could be an event, it could be a quirk, it could be something that you do that no one else does. What would they tell me? Just something that, you know, would only and could only happen to you or would only and could only be something that JR does. Yeah, there's a quote my mom has. She says, you know, she's got a Boston accent and she says, yeah, you don't have a dimmer. And what she means by that is like, like I am, I am on or I am off. Like I, I actually have a tattoo on, on my, my ribs that says how you do anything is how you do everything. So like, I'm just like, I'm just a super intense dude, Alex. Like if I do something, I do, I do it a thousand percent. I am a holic, like, and, and I'm not talking drugs and I'm talking whatever I do I, I I just go all the way into it um which you know it, it can be a positive it certainly can be a negative and it has been in my life but I've learned how to channel channel that uh intensity to the right things I think which which and that's how my I know any person that that grew up with me my family if, if you ask them to describe me with with one word, it would be intense and, and all in. For sure. uh, one of my favorite quotes, I, I, I've heard it before from like a group that I'm a part of, too. It's such a great quote. It makes you think about even the littlest things in your life. Don't do them, you know, half assed or anything like that. It's it it, it 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 it, you know, creates your identity of doing things the right way every time. Um, well, thank you for not being a dimma. And thank you. You're you're your mom for that that fun story like i gotta meet i want to meet her now i want to meet your mom have her on the, <laughs> have her on the podcast but jr where can people just you know connect with you learn more find out more about the shift group and, and what you do yep they can uh our website's just www.shiftgroup.io and they can find me on linkedin jr butler i'm uh if you can't tell from my personality i'm, I'm very blunt and i and i that that uh that shows up that energy shows up on linkedin so i'm, I'm a i'm a funny linkedin follow because i i like to call people to the mat more than probably most people do so <laughs> linkedin or our website is a great place to find them all right well consider it done you'll you'll have everything in the notes well jr man thanks for for jumping on it's been a, a pleasure today thanks for having me alex hey gang all right wow you made it to the end I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes, 
Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human. Contact me directly. Tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.